tip. Good afternoon. It is May 16th, 2022. You're listening to a little column A, little column B, hosted by Will Limanos and co-hosted by Zach Bishop. How are you doing today, buddy? What is going on, Will? We had a lot of drama this weekend, but I am going to start you off with some non-sports drama. There was a Florida passenger that was on a plane. The pilot, all of a sudden, cannot fly the plane anymore. He has a medical incident. Now this guy, who has no flying experience, has to call air traffic control and say, hey, my pilot can't fly anymore. I don't know how to fly a plane. Can you help me? And sure enough, they got on the horn. They were able to get a hold of, uh, you know, I don't know if it was a different guy or the same air traffic controller that's also a uh, a, a teacher that does, uh, you know, teaches people how, how to be pilots and was actually able to talk the guy into how to land the plane. Do you think you'd have any shot, even, you know, if someone was able to walk you through of landing a plane? With the right directions, I, I think so. This doesn't sound like it's the first time this scenario has happened, and it sounds like something they've been prepared for. It's not something you hoped to happen, but if it does happen, you're at least ready for it. Now, at least you know, it's not like you have to figure out how to recreate the wheel here. You, you know how to properly land this. Now, I'm sure there's, you know, infinite training and, you know, qualifications that go along with it, but, you know, we're, we're in a pinch here. You know, our options are these. This is it. If there was an alternative, we would do that. But I, I think I could do it if I had to. I have no reason to, to like evidence to say like this is why, but I think I can follow good directions. So just completely on just being able to follow directions. I, I like to think I could, but it's also you know, the guy says right in the article. He's just kind of like I I did it because I had to because if I didn't do it, I was going to die. So I don't know if that would help me or hurt me. That's not helping. The pressure is is enormous on this. It, it's 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 a large vehicle. It, it's not in parallel parking here. You know, you, you're going to do a lot more than, you know, dent the car or something here. The, the damage is astronomical. And yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want to be in this scenario. I'm not jealous of this. This isn't something I want to add to my dating profile of uh, I want to land an emergency plane, you know, no big deal. I, I just no, it's, it's too too risky. I don't think I want any part of it. I, I like that. I don't have more to do this. stressful for more more stressful for the guy that was in the plane or for the air traffic control guy that helped out? Uh, that's that's a toss-up. I'm going to say actually the, the air traffic control guy because if he doesn't do it, it's kind of your fault. This is the plan. This is what we have for this scenario, and if you're unable to do it. I mean, are we saying some people are just unteachable? Is that, is that what we're saying? Are some people just uncoachable? I, I think that if this doesn't go successfully for the rest of your life, you just know that, or it, it, not that you know, it's you are going to think that someone died because of you, whether that's true or not. He could have give, given perfect directions and the guy could have improperly followed them or, you know, they're, they're, they're professionals and there's issues. There's crosswind. You're, you're, you're flying through the air. <laughs> there's lots of things that can go wrong. And I think that would be tough to, uh, to, to, to live with so it, it, you're the one that knows what you're doing the guy that's up there if, if he crashes and you know if, if he dies that's unfortunate but is, isn't that more likely the case he, he doesn't know what he's doing well i don't know i, th- I think mike d'antoni's available he, he seems to be a coach that everybody wants maybe maybe he could do this he could be the one that 
coaches the guy to land the plane or he could be the guy that gets coached to land a plane. I think he could be the, the explainer. It sounds like he's a X's and O's guys. He's a genius, you know, nine seconds or less to land this thing. No problem. Don't the, uh, don't the Lakers need a coach? I, I don't know. I, I don't understand why D'Antoni is suddenly so fought out. Like, why, do, why does anyone want D'Antoni? Give me the evidence of the success that D'Antoni's had. Other than performing MVP awards to his best player and then never actually winning the championship, where is where is the finals appearance? Where is the, the actual, <laughs> we did it? I'm not saying he's a bad coach, and I'm not saying he's a bad option out there. I just, he's, I think they figured out how to, how to go against this, and it's not a very playoff effective strategy so that's that's more of my opinion on him but i i think i think he's gonna find his way in philly somehow which is a whole mess of a situation right now there's a million things we could open up with but seeing how we're already on this topic i i'd like to talk about philly's exit they get kind of no show against miami and are going home Embiid with his orbital fracture his banged up knee and almost mvp caliber season has all gone to waste their star player in Ben Simmons is still not playing for even another team, and the exchange they have received for it has been a moderately disappointing, high disappointing. Like, what would you say the level of disappointment in James Harden's performance of his final game, potentially with Philly right now? Not to mention the contract dispute that is going to end up happening. I don't know what you do. I feel bad for Embiid the most out of all of this because it feels like they know there's a short window for Embiid. And every year there's decisions that they're forced to make, like paying Tobias Harris when Jimmy Butler walks away. And you're like, well, we got to keep somebody because we can't waste a year of Embiid. And this has happened over and over again. And this trade just feels like it again where they compromise and they go for it all because we only got a short window with Embiid. And now every year it just feels more mediocre and more mediocre because they keep making these half measures of paying guys they don't have to pay and making trades they don't have to necessarily make because whatever they're doing, something goes wrong. And I, I feel sympathetic for all of that because I don't think it's Embiid's fault at all. I don't think it's his fault that they're paying Tobias Harris all that money. I don't think it's his fault that Jimmy Butler left because he didn't like Ben Simmons. And that that was a problem for Philly because they had to decide between Simmons and Embiid to begin with. I I don't know where, where to go with any of this, but what would you say the scale of disappointment is with the Philadelphia 76ers season? They just start off with the the Simmons situation that is just terrible. And then finally they get out of that situation and they bring Harden in. And there's definitely some, some bright spots. And, okay, maybe, maybe this could work. Definitely disappointed with how Embiid doesn't win MVP. Disappointed with him getting injured, which is just super unfortunate for them. But then in the, the closeout game, Harden takes two shots in the second half. Two. <laughs> what are you doing? Hey, that's he two more than you. <laughs> he said the uh, the the ball didn't make its way back to him, and well, okay, but you're the point guard. You you bring the ball up. You <laughs> one of the negatives people say about you is you know you, you don't pass and it's all isolation. It's all just you. Well, there couldn't have been a, a, a little more of that. I I just think that if they had lost and Harden hadn't played well. You know, just had an off shooting night. I think you're better off with it. You you feel better about that. It feels like he cared. He tried, but it, it seemed more like it was a game in January. You know, just like yeah, well, you know, well, we got another. You know, we got a game tomorrow night, so I don't need to give max effort. Like we're fine. So, no, once once this is over, like season's over. 
I want to say to some degree that Philly was set up where there wasn't going to be any scenario, even if Harden goes two for 20, where we're like, oh, they're on to something here. Because this was weird. This has been weird since the get-go of the trade. The whole, like, trying to force Doc Rivers to get fired after Embiid just had an incredible season. Doc had an enormous amount of drama to deal with uh, uh, through all of this, between all the trades and the rumors and now it feels like he's thrown in the mix of if they want to bring back Harden that they it's either him or me and I just think that's a mistake. I don't know why we're granting Harden anything. I think his leverage has to be slowly disappearing if he has any at all at this point. And I don't know what they're going to do with the max contract. Like, are you going to pay James Harden? And if you don't, do you think someone else is? Because I'm not entirely sure it's someone else is. It it seems like this always happens where there's always somebody willing to do it. But what's the team you could circle right now that has room for that as well as is a decent fit? Like this is getting closer and closer to a Westbrook situation where I don't know if the vets want to play with him because he's a handful. And I don't know if he's great to have around the young guys because they doesn't really help develop him anything. So what do you do with a guy like this? It's interesting because the ball's really more in, in his court because he has a, a player option for next year for just over $47 million. I think that he had a serious look and go the Sixers with Embiid with this team, turn this around and get one last really big contract. Or, hey, am I more likely to play like I did this year? And you know what? We decline the player option, but we sign something at, you know, say maybe thirty-five million over three or four years. It's it's going to be interesting. It's it's the summer story that's never going to end. I wonder, like, do you think this is going to be a, it's a decision that happens sooner or later? Like, Are we going to find out next month that this is all fixed, or are we going to find out in three months that this is still ongoing and that we're not sure what's going to happen? Uh, I think relatively soon because uh, player options, you got to make a decision on that pretty quick, right? There is a cutoff. Uh, I don't know what it is, but it, it has to be... I assume it's prior to you know summertime, but I, I I don't know how it all all the contracts work as well as what they can do to work around all that. But while we're on the topics of trades, there was another uh, big... June June 29th. Okay, so we got we got a little bit of time, but not a whole lot of time. We're what a month yeah, so a little, a little a over a month. A little, yeah, a little over a month, and uh, and for sure he could opt in and then you know, sign and trade. He, he get he get traded after that, but I, I agree with you on it, it's getting it's getting closer to you have to attach assets to that than the the other way around. But or or it's a uh, you know on the Sixers side of hey we traded for this guy you know it's more they have a history they they know on the inside they know like Harden could be like hey the reason that this ended like this is because I, I had a bum leg now I got a whole off season to to recover. I'm feeling much better. This is going to be totally different. You know, we're going to gel and they'll take the risk. And worst case is they say, well, midway through the year, we could just treat this as an expiring contract and somebody might be interested in, you know, in, a, in a discount here. I would want to be in the situation. Maury is a very good GM and I know he'll, he'll make what the decision that's best for them. It just feels like they, they got a little tunnel vision with the Harden thing of like really holding off for Simmons to make it all happen. And it happened and I just feel like they they didn't really pay attention to what was at the end of the tunnel. It's like we were so zeroed in on this is it, this is exactly what we want, and then they realized what they got is just it's just too late. It feels like I don't even know if this guy can really turn around his career at this point, nor 
nor do I think it's even going to be effective for this team. I'm not sure this is the best pairing you could actually do for either of them. But as a uh, as a fan of another team in this division, I was very happy at all the the jokes once the Sixers were eliminated. Because when this trade happened, there was a lot of talk of who won the trade. And, you know, we even talked about it. And there's so many jokes about, hey, you know who won the the Philly-Brooklyn trade? No one. Or, you know who won this trade? <laughs> Nobody watching. Or, hey, who won this? Boston and Miami, they're the ones that won this trade. Well, I actually think the biggest trade winners of this whole year are the Dallas Mavericks, who are advancing Advancing, I, I I can't even say it out loud. Advancing past the Phoenix Suns after a historic, disappointing collapse, worst loss in possibly playoff history of any sport by a number one seed, let alone a favorite, and in a horrendous disappointment. But the trade that happened was they traded Porzingis for Dinwiddie. And even if it's just for this one game, if Dinwiddie's terrible from here on, or if he only has one one more good game from it all, I think it's all worth it for the one game that he showed up. Now, I don't know if it's necessarily entirely his fault uh, or his credit or Luca's credit. It may be a lot more of the fault of the terrible Phoenix Sun showing. I mean, Chris Paul has been crawling his way through the last couple games, it feels like. Booker is essentially a no-show. At the All right, so at the end of the first half, they are down 30 points. They have scored 27 as a team. Luca has 27 points on his own, so he is Luca 27 versus Dallas or Phoenix 27 at the end of half. This is I've never seen a, a, a game like this. It's funny because I didn't even watch this game. I'm just looking at the box score, and it doesn't even make any sense. It looks like it's a JV varsity practice right now. That is like some jamboree that's happening that nobody's ever going to pay attention to because the score was just outrageous from the get go. They outscore them by double digits in every single quarter. I assume that I didn't even watch the last fourth quarter, but at least in the first three, it's they scored they outscored them by ten in the first, twenty in the second, and twelve in the third. Whew. Nobody's ever gonna win that game. I mean, that's pure dominance. What what happened here? Is this is this more blame on Phoenix or credit to Dallas here? Dallas just jumped all over them. They, another one to add to the, you mentioned the the records. Ten points in a quarter is the lowest in a in, in a playoff game. The previous record was eleven. I don't know how you only score ten points in a in an entire quarter, where it wasn't like these teams going in were just like, oh well, these are two defensive teams. This is gonna be a real, real rock fight. Uh, where you might have kind of said that about the uh, the Celtics Bucks, and just like, oh, this might be might be low scoring because there's a lot of a lot of gravelly sort of sort of plays. But I w- I had to come back. From uh, from the party that you were hosting, had myself a a, a great time and was just like you know still uh, very excited on uh, the Celtics win. I was like, okay, cool, we got another game seven tonight. Like th- this will be fun. So got caught in the rain a little bit on the motorcycle. So when I got back, you know, I didn't rush right to the game. So by the time I did that, food and everything, and sat down, it was like okay, now 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 I'm settled in. You know, probably you know maybe maybe you know missed the first quarter. And so turn the game on, I see. Okay, uh, yeah, Dallas got, tw- or, you know, uh, Suns got 27. And then I look, it's like, there's two minutes to go till halftime, and they only have 27 points. The, you know, ha- it, just, it took me a while to, like, catch up on everything. And then you're going, it's just, this is over. It's halftime, and this, it, it, this is all the way over. They, they made, went all the way up by 40, 40 points on the road in a game seven. I just don't know how, how. I, I mean, Luca was just, unbelievable he was having himself a great time 
It'll be interesting to see going forward. Uh, I, I believe he won a uh, he's won a game seven before, and when he was seventeen, he was playing with grown men over over in Europe. And just wondering is is he going to develop this reputation of he? Other guys might might be nervous, might be scared, but he is not concerned at all, and he is going to show up. Now, there's one reason that's a little concerning, and it was to the Celtics' advantage, and apparently not to Phoenix's similar advantage of this home court thing. You play 80-plus games here to fight for this home court, specifically for the playoffs, even later in the rounds where you get game sevens. It's in Phoenix. What what happened to the home court advantage here? Like, why was it so effective for Boston and not nearly as effective for Phoenix? Or was it just so many other factors in that? It just feels like you spend so much time and effort the entire regular season trying to get this prize of having home court advantage, and they didn't even use it or utilize it. It just felt like it was gone. The game was over so fast. I, I, I wish they'd had enough fight to at least win a quarter. If you're down 30, you can't lose the next quarter by 12 again. If you're down 10, you can't lose the next quarter by 20. The, this happened, both of, all, both of those happened in one game. I'd also like to mention that Booker one time in Boston on the road scored, what, 71 points against the Celtics in a loss? It, it was, yeah, it was a lot. I just remember that they lost. 70-something in, the, in, a, in a loss. And, and I'm just I'm only just pointing this out it's just because at one point when you're down 30, like maybe it's time to just go for that 70 attitude. Like we're just going to shoot it every single time. We're going to make an effort to do this. But to play within themselves, I think Aiton only plays 17 minutes, which is weird. Chris Paul's post game was a little strange. Of I'm not retiring, and it's just the whole post game was strange. I don't know what happened with this team. I don't know if there's something, some underlying story that we're we're unfamiliar with, but it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. Because if you ask me, this was a team that maybe had similar cohesion to the Boston that it just felt like they were stuck together from last year's momentum going all the way to this year and pretty much all the way up to this game. You can kind of say that maybe there was a couple red flags with them going seven in the first round. But I always reflect back to the the Celtics in 08. I think we go to like every series of seven games. I think we go round one against Atlanta. I think we go seven games. I think we go six games against another series. So I'm not so nervous about going seven. There are champions that had to had had to go through seven rounds or seven games in multiple rounds before. But maybe that was the red flag that we should have seen last series. Like like, do you think New Orleans would have had a better shot against Dallas, or it was nobody really getting in their way? For, for Luca, you know he he missed the first two games of the the, the last series. But I think some of it is it, it's a little, little unfair because Chris Paul is thirty seven, so it shouldn't have to be the, the the main guy carrying the load. But after going up uh, two nothing on the Mavericks, the next uh, five games uh, point totals are twelve, five, seven, thirteen, and ten. And, you know, he's a point guard. He's more of a, you know, of a setup guy. But same thing. Uh, after the first uh, two wins, assists, 4-7-10-4-4. I mean, those are fine, but from your future Hall of Fame point guard, it, it, it's got to be more than that. It wasn't enough. I don't know what you do going into next year either. The window for Phoenix feels like it is closed. But I also feel I said the similar thing about Boston this year. Not even that many months ago. Like anything before the All-Star break, I think I was having a similar thing. I can't believe we blew the opportunity we've had for the last couple of years building towards something, and we don't even make it to the finals. The best thing we could say is we almost beat LeBron in a Game 7 in a, in a 
way too young Jason Tatum trying to do miracles then. It, it's just, it didn't seem possible. So maybe maybe Phoenix still has hope, but I, I feel like the league has figured out this formula, essentially, of how to defeat this team. And I don't know what decisions they're going to have to make in the offseason between paying maybe DeAndre Ayton, moving on from Ayton. They got Sarge on, I think, for $9 million one more year, and they've got... They got one more guy who's making way too much money, also. But I, that's Chris I, Paul. It's, it's yeah, that that just sounds like one right now too. I mean, even if Paul advances here, does it, do you really think he's going to survive two more series? He's on the books for three more years. Yeah, do you think he would survive two more rounds, even if they win yesterday? It, it seemed like oh, he wasn't oh, going to survive I, another oh. round or the, the finals, let alone he would have been hurt. I think it came out that he that he was hurt. Yeah, uh, hamstring, right? Something, or quad? I don't know. One of his legs is, is hurting. Yeah, he didn't really he didn't really talk about it. It was one of those. The it, here's the excuse, but I, I don't want there to be any excuses. Yeah, yeah. It said he, you know, he was limping out, uh, limping out of the arena. So uh, yeah, he'd still have to go two more rounds. Yeah, I don't think he would have made it. It doesn't seem like he has the durability to do that. It would be the first time in his career where I, where he really is able to do it. Every every time he's gone close, he hasn't been able to finish. He misses the Houston game, uh, Houston series against Golden State. I think they're up in the series, and then he misses I think six and seven with a with a similar hamstring or quad injury, and and that that was a shame. I feel like they ha- they might have had a better team that year, and they just you, you got to be able to play, or at least play through it, or do something about it. But I'm baffled by the the wasted home court advantage as well as the wasted dominant regular season. That, that's the real shame right there. Because if, if I'm all of them, I would have said, well, shit, I would have taken the four seed and rested so many more games. Like, why are we going for a one seed? It, it, maybe they ran out of gas because of that. Um, what do you think happens with uh, with, with Deion, DeAndre Ayton? He only played 17 minutes, and when they asked uh, Monte Williams afterwards, uh, just kind of said, kind of cryptically, uh, internal reasons. Well, do you think they were down that many because of DeAndre Ayton? Because if you ask me, Ayton is a nice player. He, I don't know if he was worthy of the pick he went, but he's a solid player. He he can give you a little bit on both ends, but he's not scoring 40 points. And I don't think he's stopping Luka from scoring 40 points either. So what were the expectations of him? Like, Do you think if he plays more, this is suddenly a different game? Because if you ask me, I would have played him less and just, we need to shoot more threes. We got to get... We gotta get score. We need just scores. Just a variance, you know. So uh, or change something. Yeah, he was, a, yeah he, was, he was a he was a minus twenty three in those in those minutes. But circling back to the uh, to the Sixer series after that, a lot of talk from from both sides about how Jimmy Butler was there. And they let him go. The guy that you let go. Similar situation here. Phoenix drafts Aiton over Doncic, and Doncic just. Oh, just laughs you, literally laughs you out of the playoffs in your building. This is one of those losses I don't think you can ever erase from your resume. Like, what? what is it going to take for us to forget about this loss after the resume of Chris Paul at this point? I mean, I don't want to go through each single series. It's just, this is the worst one of them all. And there are some some similarities and some other collapses in the in the past. So I, I, 
it's a shame. I, I don't think Rosillo is gonna you know ever make, gain the credibility of this. I think I think this sort of result is the reason Rosillo does the podcast alone. I, I don't think he can afford a co-host to hold him accountable like this. This is just <laughs> way too much drama right now. Any CP3 defenders, you're <laughs> we're coming for you now. I, and I I still not, I still think he's a great player. I still think he's fully capable of winning a championship. It just seems like nothing seems to ever go his way, or some sort of drastic injury always seems to happen to him. It, it's it's unfortunate, but it is a pattern, and I don't know. I don't know what you, I don't know how you come back from this. This seems like well, the worst the Super Bowl. Problem, this seems like a Super Bowl hangover you can't cure from, like a, like a Patriots well, Giants no. thing. Super, Super Bowl hangover is different. Super Bowl hangover is after you won. This is like the this this is like the reverse of that. This is you you are you are so stinky. The thing too is like you're mentioning, they were the number one across the board seed that won the most games. You win 60-plus games. That, that's a really successful season. You know, you, coming out of that, it's like, yeah, we, we were the best team. You know, we're, we're feeling good. You, you, you know, we, we were lucky enough to see the uh, the Warriors with 70-plus with in, in our lifetime. But that's not something that comes around very often. But now that you lost, next year, if you're having a good season, you start off, you, you have a good, a good win streak, you, you win 15 in a row or something, and maybe you are high 50s, you're low 60s again, you could be that. but Every conversation is going to be compared to this year saying, well, what are they going to do in the playoffs? Well, remember, they were this good last year, and then in the playoffs, they lost. So you're not going to get any sort of nudge and positive reaction. It's all going to be just, well, what are they going to do in the playoffs? And so you just you have to wait so long just to get back to then prove if you can. All right, last topic here before we move on to Mr. Tommy Point over there. Uh Dallas is going to be playing Golden State. Who's the best player in the series? Is Luka the best player in the series? Yes. Without hesitation. I think I think so too. I, I think that's the the right answer there. All right, so that that'll be interesting to go kind of going forward because Phoenix, I think, it was a similar situation. It was like, all right, we're we're to the better team. I mean, I don't, I think you would go Luka one if you're doing a draft, and then it would be a probably like five other sons hopefully and then maybe maybe a dallas guy i i, I don't know i think it's gonna be a similar situation here but apparently luca is that much farther ahead at that top spot there and man that's a dangerous playoff that's a dangerous playoff run right now the confidence he's playing at it's gonna be fascinating i'm curious to see what draymond's gonna end up doing it because i feel like the more you talk to this guy the worse off you are like the, like the worst thing phoenix did was not draft this guy and then there's some other little things I feel like they were talking trash to him and unnecessary parts and it just and don't poke the bear. This, this is a bear out there. This is a scary guy. Luke Luke is coming. Uh, but let's talk about our favorite team right now. Who, man, what a roller coaster ride between Milwaukee Ooh. and Boston here. A hell of a series, man. Gut punch after gut punch. Just just brutal on both sides. The the phys- the physicality of this, the the drama of this, and the importance of this, and the coaching of it. I thought was all very very just entertaining and. I would have done anything else. I don't know what else you could have done. The series was very close. I know the last game, it looks like Boston had control of it all, but it's just an exhausting series. I'd be shocked to see Boston comes out with as much energy on this first game, especially with a quick turnaround because we're we're right back at it tomorrow, and we're on the road. Uh, I don't even know where to start with this. I'd like to talk about Grant Williams. I thought Grant Williams, this is a series where you're going to make a name for yourself if you have series like that. Like, that was... An incredible series where he's able to 
not not shut down Giannis, but at least have an answer for him. And which and no team really has an answer for him. It felt like we were really comfortable with saying, you know what, this is this is our best shot, and, and as long as he's not in foul trouble, it's fairly effective. It doesn't stop him. I don't think there's anything going to stop him. There's certain players once they reach that level, and Giannis is by far at that level of not exceeding that. Of there's nothing you can do. You're just hoping to control him. You're just hoping maybe he doesn't go 16 for 16 from the free throw line. Like that's a nightmare. That's like, oh my god, this guy's unstoppable. I, I they don't have Middleton. I think that's one huge factor in all of this is that the series was this tight, and I don't think they didn't even have arguably their second or third best player. And I think that's an actual factor. But man, this still could have went any other way. I, I think Giannis and that Luca series is, it reminds me a lot of what Giannis is trying to do because his numbers. I mean, in the first quarter, he's almost got a triple-double, <laughs> right? Like he's, he's just doing everything, and I don't know how you stop him, but we managed to do it. We managed to take more threes than any team in the playoffs, I think, this far, and we made a lot of them. I don't know if we're going to live or die by that. I don't know what Miami's factoring in because I think they play in a similar style, but I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for more of this. I, this has been an incredible playoff run, and whatever it ends up being, it's been freaking entertaining. I'll tell you that. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Even even some of their bad games, it makes the good games look that much better. <laughs> I don't know if it's, I want to go to extended series after extended series, but I'm happy with the team. I, I this the toughness of really pulling through and getting the job done here is is very very impressive. What are you most looking forward to about the Miami Boston series? Is there a specific matchup? I'm looking forward to not having to play Giannis. That's for sure. Uh, definitely excited because. I I don't know if he's quite there yet, you know, with the U.S. in the the, the Western Conference. It was Luca the best, and it's like, yep, yep, he's the best. You can make the argument for Steph, and at times Steph could be better. But I think that Tatum should be the best guy in this series. Uh, I don't know if that will happen. Jimmy Butler is still very good, and Tatum had the uh, what was it? Was it Game Three or that he or Game Four that he had the The ten point? just you know terrible terrible outing but yesterday you know had the had the foul trouble a bunch of turnovers but still a good game and i mean in game six 46 points in an elimination game like that was that was what we needed that was i I was the most nervous on friday night after we blew game five it was because we were ahead we're ahead pretty much the whole game it's in 14 points, 10 minutes to go, six points. I don't know, with like two or so to go. I was, I am, I was very confident when Al Horford had that putback dunk. It was just like, okay, we're up six, two minutes to go. You know, we're, we're going to have to have a collapse. You know, all we have to do is just kind of tread water. We're, we're going to be fine, even though we just salted away that lead because we just kept going, going slow. And oh, that was, that was so frustrating. And then it was like, oh, oh, so. The, the the season might be over before we do another podcast. This, this might be it. And it's like, we just nothing goofy can happen in game six. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I did see Danny Ainge in, in attendance I, of the game. Or some... Do you think Danny is uh, deserving of any credit of the roster that is suddenly having success? Oh, for sure. Would you, contemplate, has... would you contemplate giving him a ring if this all goes the way we hope it goes? Uh, I, yeah, sure. I, I don't really know how, how that works, but I mean, he, he drafted all of the guys that are on the team that are contributing. 
I mean, he, he gets way more credit than uh, you, 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 can get, you can give Brad Stevens. I mean, not because Brad Stevens isn't as good. It's just Brad Stevens only been the guy for, for one year. And all Brad did was he traded for, for White, who has been an up-and-down ride of himself. I mean, when he plays Beautiful. great. That was rough yesterday. One for ten. But when he's good, man, it, it's great. And I and I still like him shooting. What It's fine. It, I want him to take those shots. He, he has to take those shots within the offense. He's not taking them away from anyone else. There, he didn't take a shot where I was like, oh, man, don't do that. So-and-so's right here. Give the extra pass. These are shots where the shot clock's coming down. The ball's moved. He's the open guy. He has to take that shot. And I, I liked him getting a little bit more aggressive with driving. I'm not sure if Miami's going to be the right team to do that against, but I, I thought that was kind of some sneaky stuff where he was able to get into the paint a little bit more, and that's that's just a little bit more of a threat if he can get to the free throw line, I think, rather than just constantly hitting these, just bricking three after three after three here. But that's really Brad's only move here. His other moves are where he trades for guys that Danny already had on the roster. He just brings them back. Like, is that crediting to Danny or is that crediting to Brad? Like, we're, we're going back to the basic formula. I'm not even going to invent my own. We're going to do the same one we tried already. Well, it's working. It's, it's working I, well. I, uh, you, you know, Al has had, uh, you know, his, his, his ups and downs, but <laughs> I, I did not expect him to be playing playing that well in uh, game game four, where he came, comes out and <laughs> playoff career high just – Absolutely goes to work and dunks all over Giannis. The weird, uh, you know, flagrant on him where you know Giannis fouls him in the air, so he's just trying not to fall. Uh, oh, he he was so fired up. I liked all the all the things that were going on uh, around there, but Kemba never never did that at all. And for for a trade that I think both of us were just kind of lukewarm at best on, it was like, well, if we wanted. Al, why didn't we just pay him before? So now we're going to pay the contract we didn't want to pay before, and now he's like a couple years older. But I'd say he is for sure worth whatever amount of money we were paying him. Both he he usually doesn't necessarily show up in the the, the box score, but if you're watching the game, it's he's doing he's doing all the things, and whether it's you know helping off of uh, someone to stop Giannis, or you know getting a crucial crucial rebound, or just whatever he needs to get whatever he needs to do. But he definitely showed up in the box score. The flexibility of Al is the best part of it, both on defense and offense. You need him to pop and shoot a three? Sure, no problem. Need him to crash, rebound, switch on to anybody on defense? This is this is your guy. He's going to show up and be very consistent in every game. A true professional. I think one of the biggest mistakes we made, actually, was not paying him. I just imagine if we'd had this Al, and he wasn't just wasted in Philly any of those years. This, this might have been enough to solve some of our previous problems. It just... He's a good engine, man. He's he's a good leader. I think he gets along with everybody. I think there's a good chemistry with him. I especially with Rob Williams being out, and I don't know if he's even going to come back again this year. That's up in the air. It seems like he's fighting through one injury that's creating another injury, and that that just seems like a, a messy formula. I thought we were going to need him a lot more in Milwaukee than we were going to need him in, against Miami. Like I don't know if we want to have him as an advantage or have him as a counter. You know, like, like are we? We trying to match with Brooke Lopez here, or are we trying to avoid him ever guarding Bam? I like, guess that. Like, what, what's the, what's the story with this? I don't know where he certainly fits into this. Is, Miami's not a big team. Like, who's the biggest guy in Miami? Uh, it's gotta be it's gotta be Bam, right? And what's Bam? Six ten? Six eight? I was gonna guess six nine, but he's he's not you know he's not not seven footer. He's not a seven footer. So I'd like to think Al is going to be able to 
kind of feast on him a little bit. I, I actually think Grant Williams is going to do a really good job on him. I, I, I like <laughs> I like the style of Grant. All right? he, he manages to stay in front of guys. I, I don't know how else to describe it. He just plays really good defense. It's it's not flashy. It's not anything that you're like it's gonna you know see on Sports Center ever. It's just very very consistent defense. Were you surprised that it seemed like yesterday specifically the Bucks' plan was we are taking away every maybe not everything else, but we are happy and fine with having Grant Williams shoot wide open threes. I thought it was a terrible idea. If anything, I would have said, look, if you just go run out at Grant, he's he's a smart enough player where he's not going to take a contested shot. But he is a smart enough player and a good enough player that he's going to make an open shot. I I think we've had this little stat of, between us of Grant having a, a, a crazy three-point percentage or just an overall good percentage, especially from the corner, of, of being a really good wide-open shooter. It just doesn't necessarily always get the quantity like he got yesterday, but... I'd, I'd like to think if you give him the quantity, you would get a result like you got last night. I mean, these are open shots being taken by a professional basketball player. You know, undersized for sure, but he's open. So what is the undersized really disadvantage to him? Like, there's no there's no weakness in it if he's wide open. So I, I just thought it was a mistake. I don't know what their counter to it would have been if they were like, all right, we're going to shut down Grant Williams. And suddenly Tatum's like, well, now I have a lane or Jalen's got a lane or something. I, I, I just, I might have made an adjustment rather than putting all my chips in on that throughout the entire game. Because Grant shoots the entire game. What did he shoot, 23s or something yesterday? I think he hit seven. Uh, he, he took, he took uh, he went seven for 18, taking 20, I think it was, he took 22 shots total. Uh, most most shots on the team. He was the only Celtic to be in double figures in the second half. <laughs> and like, I, I, this, is, this is a guy I, I can't say enough things about. This is... This was a draft pick that nobody talked about. There was no news report on this. I, I think you constantly remind everyone, you specifically, of, of hey, this was an SEC player. He was very successful. He won awards. Like he was, he was a good college player. And everyone's like, not, yeah, not but- just one, not just like one some awards. The SEC Player of the Year twice. Now, if you're unfamiliar with college uh, basketball, you probably are at least familiar with Kentucky basketball. That's the conference that Kentucky plays in. So that means that they, ooh, the voters on that thought that he was better than any guy that Kentucky had. Now, for sure, he's a little bit older, and like older guys tend to win the awards over you know one-and-done one guys that tend to have more success in the NBA. But still, to, to do it twice, that doesn't happen very often in these conferences. An impressive run. An impressive run by him. An impressive run by Tatum. I hope the momentum continues. I hope that Marcus Smart's bruises and Grant Williams, the whole team's bruises from the Milwaukee Bucks heal very quickly because Miami's coming and they're going to be aiming for those weak spots. They're they're that type of team. Spolster is already stirring up some sort of strategy that's going to drive us crazy in this first round. I just hope we don't get lit up by Duncan Robinson again, a guy that hasn't even been in the rotation in the last two rounds essentially. And if he comes out and kills us again like he has in the past, I'm I'm just gonna put my hands up in the air and be like, what's what's going on? How do all these teams just have these Celtic killers that struggle against the rest of the league, but for whatever reason, when they're in Boston, they just suddenly light us up. I mean, Middleton is specifically one of those guys. I think we got lucky that not only was hurt that he just didn't have to face us. He, he struggles or isn't nearly as successful against other teams as he is against us. So dodge bullet there. I think it's gonna be a hell of a series. I've watched. Uh... 
I've watched us play the Milwaukee Bucks a, a whole bunch, and I don't think I've ever seen Middleton miss a shot against us. Not not one. Yeah, he has that look when he plays us where everything he shoots, I think, is going in. Even the bad shots. And that's terrifying. And I'm glad we didn't have to face that. Now, if you're Milwaukee, just reload and we're do- we'll go at it again next year. Like, what, what adjustments would you make? I mean, I pitched out the, the potential of, you know, finding a better Lopez because I thought Lopez, I, I don't know if they just didn't use him properly or if he's just at that point in his career where he's not a, it's just not that much of a contributor. Like, he, he didn't have a good series against us. And I thought with Rob Williams being out, that he would be a little bit more of a matchup nightmare where he's just a massive body that they never took advantage of. I'm shocked that they didn't let him post up at all. Like, I know that clogs it up for Giannis, but Giannis seemed pretty desperate for some offensive help where he starts taking threes and all that because he just doesn't have any other options. It's like, well, what if we just throw it down to Brooker a little bit? Or what if when Giannis sits, we throw it down to Brook a little bit? Because what, what are you clearing the paint for then? I just I, I would have I done something else there, and I think that's a potential upgrade that they could make in the offseason? I think that he was still very much influential on the defensive end. I think on the offensive end, sometimes if, if kind of the hindsight's twenty twenty, if you had passed it into him in the post and had used him more and he isn't successful, then the argument is, well, what are you going to Brook Lopez for? You got... Giannis that they can barely stop. Why are you doing anything but just giving the ball to Giannis, putting him in a ball screen, and having him go right to the hoop, and he gets a foul 50% of the time, and he's going to make it the other 40% of the time. Uh, he he only played 13 games this year, so he's getting a little bit older. He, he's coming off the injury, so it could have uh, could have been some of that. I'm sure a uh, an offseason where he can get, get his strength back, actually rest, he's not rehabbing or anything. But that was definitely uh, one of the one of the weird. He, he's not as a high profile of a player, but I I definitely drafted him drafted him in fantasy basketball because it wasn't at the beginning of the year some sort of oh yeah he's he's out for a while it was eh, he's a little banged up but you know he's going to be fine that turned into <laughs> yeah he's not going to play until April maybe it was March that he started to play but not until the the very end of the year. Well, hopefully they were happy with his defensive showing then because he doesn't really shoot a lot of threes in this series either. So if you're not going to him in the post and he's not really taking threes, his spacing is just not being utilized in any way. You're you're just misusing him. I, I, maybe it's some injuries. Maybe it's a lot of things. I just thought that was something that they could improve on or at least something that I thought they would have had a little bit better of an output on. Wesley Matthews, uh, have, have we found him yet? Has, was he there the other night? Was he... Is he is he still a game four over there shutting down Tatum? Is that what what happened to him? I I didn't even hear his name once again. He, not only was he struggling to defend Tatum, but I feel like he was trying to score with Tatum for a little bit there, and that seemed to fizzle out too. I don't think he took any shots the other day. Yeah, I mean he's really not much of a much of an offensive player. Uh, one game he had uh, double digits, but definitely more of the trying to trying to lock down Tatum and. Like you said, that that worked uh, earlier in the series, and then Tatum figured it out, which is you know a testament to Tatum at getting to that higher level of you're going to be the main focus of the defense. There's just going to be a guy the same way we we put Grant on Giannis, and just you were just going to be annoying, and you were going to be all in your business all the time to know, okay, this didn't work, this didn't work. This was kind of working. Okay, these are the changes I'm going to make, and I'm a way better talent, and 
you're already at your top level. I have another level I can get to, and I can still score. All right, well, those are pretty much the playoffs in review here. There's one thing I want to talk about with it before we get to the, the new awards of the, the conference uh, champions or whatever you want to call them these days. Uh, we've watched a lot of playoff games this year. I've seen a lot of officiating, good games and bad games. How do we feel about the one review? Do we want more? Do we want less? Are these helping us, hurting us? Because it feels like we make a big deal about this, but I've seen multiple games where, like, the second play of the game, we're challenging it because we don't want a guy to have a foul. Like, these more feels like prayers you're throwing out there where either you have maybe a slim opportunity to remove a foul from a player, and that's really what they're being utilized for rather than correcting anything. I'm not sure what we're getting out of all of this. Like, do we do we really want to grant teams this? Like, do you feel like it's been a big momentum swing for anybody? I gotta imagine the teams like it. They feel a little more in control. I would like if you get the challenge correct that you just get another one until until you you miss one because uh, there is all this strategy and gamesmanship of okay. This was a charge block call. I think this was the wrong call, but are these the right two players to make this call to, to, to challenge? Or should I wait? Is there going to be a better leverage situation? And there's just a lot of things that you're, you're balancing where isn't it, shouldn't it be? Well, we want to get the call correct. So I, I don't have a, have a great. A. My only issue with if they They're actually playing basketball and that's frustrating. My only issue with with them actually getting the challenge back is I, I, we don't need to stop the game anymore than we already are. The one cha- that's the only thing the one challenge does is it's it's done after that. We can't stop. I mean, they're going to stop a million times for a whole bunch of other things. It feels like they're opting to stop more for more commercials for every single potential flagrant. Anytime anybody raises their arms above their chest at this point, it's oh, we got we got to review it for a flagrant. I don't I don't like that. We got to cut that out. That seems like we have. Limited the challenges to just one apiece here, and the replay reviews at the end of the two minutes, they've gotten rid of a whole lot of things, so they're not going to the monitor quite as much. But the flagrant foul thing, we either need to get a lot faster at this, or we need to come up with a way to officiate this a little bit better in more live time. I don't know if it's adding a third tier to all this and making more of a middle ground between the two. I don't know what that necessarily accomplishes. It just seems like it's either okay or not okay. You know, it's it's not okay you did the, the foul, but we're going to let you continue to play, and then there's that wasn't okay. We're not going to let you play anymore. It, it seems pretty cut and dry to me. I don't know why we needed to have a middle ground between that, but I don't like. I don't like that we're stopping the game constantly for all of this. And plus, it always looks a million times worse in slow motion, doesn't it? Like these are massive human beings out there. Of course, it looks like it hurt. It probably did hurt. I, I I don't like the the flagrant reviews quite as much. I'm okay with the challenges and having one one per team here, but I don't know if they're really challenging it like i said to get the call right it just seems like a a gamble negotiation well one of the issues that i have too with the going for the flagrant reviews is it all has to do with how the guy that got hit responds to it if the guy collapses and is on the ground then it's like okay well now we're going to review it if the guy just kind of kind of plays through it he, he, he he could be bleeding but you know they're they're not gonna they're not gonna review it. So it just incentivizes guys to flop more, to embellish more, and like you said, then when you watch it on on replay, it looks oh well that that's not that's not good. But it's like okay, hold on, guy got hit in the jaw and you know he's holding it and it's like oh well he's probably got to go to the hospital. And then they do the review. Oh yeah, no, that's definitely a flagrant. And then the next possession, 
the guys dribbling and driving to the hoop and shooting. It's like, well, wait a minute. He couldn't have been that hurt. Like, I don't want anybody to get hurt, but I just don't like that there's this whole acting situation that has to happen for you to get the call. Do you think you could tell... Do you think you could tell when somebody's flopping or not flopping? And to what percentage do you think you could, like, 100% sure, 50% sure that that's definitely a flop? Like, well, how confident are you on identifying the flop? Because I, I have an idea for all of this where, you know how they have the flagrant numbers. You're only allowed a certain amount of flagrants before you get suspended. What if we have a designated number of you only get, like, five flops and then you're suspended a game? Because there has to be a bigger consequence than the fines. Because it's always worth, the fines never, it's always worth paying the fine if you get the call. Especially in these crucial moments where guys are flopping and if you're defending somebody, say, like Giannis, where you don't really have a better option than flopping. Flopping is a really good option, and that should be punished. And the punishment would be, all right, you already did seven flops, Smart, in this whole series. You're, you're out of game. I'm sorry. And that's that's, that's who, the rule. Who decides if it's a flop or not? Well, that's what I'm asking you right now. Like, how, how positive could you be if it's a flop or not? Like, what's the percentage you think you could do it? Uh, probably 75%. And are you, would you be happy with that? Cause that's the thing where we're going to have to be, somebody's going to have to be beer God here, right? Somebody's going to have to be in charge of the, the drinking rules for, for the game here. Somebody's, and I don't know who the right person is. I kind of want it to be the winning time, Jerry West, just so I can, you know, see somebody hit, <laughs> scream and yell at something. But you know, that, that's, that doesn't necessarily have to be that, but somebody qualified. And I don't know if it's necessarily an official or something like that, but something, Something like this needs to be instated so that we're not doing the reviews for that kind of stuff, as well as we're not rewarding players for flopping. There's a lot of good defenders in the league that don't flop. I don't like that there's other guys getting away with things like that. I also I also think Pat Beverly should have his own consequence. Of I don't know how we get rid of him off social media, but I'd like to do that as well if we're proposing certain things right now. I, I just, just just group it in and all that. I think that's that's politics, right? We just we get the. I thing. don't think you could just get somebody removed from social media i don't think that's how it works okay well i have one idea that was a, that was my other idea i'm just trying to get them all out all out there right now i don't know where else to tell people about this this seems like a good platform for that he uh whew, he really uh threw dirt on the on the Suns and chris paul specifically today on you said social media but this was espn proper this was on first take which i gotta say that's gotta be their like their their biggest show these days right it's not live, or you know, like not not a not a sporting event. Uh, yeah, probably. I I, say it, it, I think they're having more success with that than than Get Up. I mean, it's it's basically the Greeny Network at this point. He's hosting every single show that you have any interest in. Yeah, he uh, he he called. Uh, he, he well, at first he said that they should have benched benched Chris Paul. Uh, should have play, played Alfred Payton instead. Said uh, said that Chris Paul can't guard anybody, man. Everybody in the NBA know, NBA knows it. He's uh, he called him a cone. Said uh, should give him the Ben Simmons slander. Then went in even further. It just it was like every time I was kind of following this on, on Twitter earlier today. It was just just you really usually only like double down once. It's like oh he said something. Oh he doubled down on it. it just he kept going in. Then went in and said, uh, "Do I go to bed at 10 p.m. the night before Chris Paul? No. But if I'm playing Steph Curry tomorrow, I'm going to bed at eight o'clock, telling my girl not to call me. Just woof." I know you're not a big Patrick Beverly fan, but I got to imagine uh, ESPN is a big fan because they're getting all of the clicks on this. I'm just wondering why ESPN hasn't given Pat Beverly the Tom Brady Fox contract already, where he, he's he's allowed to play until he's he's done playing, but the second he's done, he gets to walk into the booth. 
the the contract offer might not be far behind. Yeah, well, I, I I'm gonna that that's gonna be the official divorce for me between that and ESPN. I, I there's no way I can watch this guy talk. I just he plays hard. All right, I'll give him credit that he's not a good basketball player though. There's no reason to give him any credibility. This guy plays really hard. There's people that play really hard. But there's also people that are really good at what they do. And I don't think he's one of those people. I refuse to give him the credit of all that. I don't think he's a good basketball player. I can't. Like, what credibility does he have? Show me his resume. I'll show you Chris Paul's even with the blemishes. It's way better than Patrick Beverly's. Like, like he's just, of course he's going to swing at guys above him. That's what you do. You you couldn't swing at anything else. You, you know, you, you have to reach for it all. He's he's just not He's just not my type of personality. I'm sure if he was my teammate, I'd love him to death, but he's not, and he never will be. So for, until then, he's an enemy. I just can't be friends with this guy. It'll be it'll be interesting to see if uh, he continues to be on ESPN going forward. Is you know is this was this a uh, what would it be like kind of kind of like a like a one trick pony? And you know if he comes in again, it's basically just rehashing the same stuff. And yeah, Chris Paul's terrible. Everybody knows that. Or each series, could he actually have something to add to it and just have this attitude where most guys, they come on, they're going to say the cliche things. They don't want to get anybody riled up. You know what you're saying? You know, with Luca, you know, don't, don't pull on a Superman's cape here. You, you're not out of the league. You're going to be playing against these guys. And I can't imagine they're going to take too kindly to you saying this kind of stuff about them. So that's why most guys avoid the confrontation to say, oh, no, he, he's a great player. You know, he does, does his work. So if he's going to continue like this, it's definitely going to make for some compelling television. But I, I don't know if it, if it's good or not. I won't. I will not be watching. The problem is we're going to hear about it. The, the guy didn't even watch it, and you're telling me about it. I I heard about it too. It managed the, the quotes of were just so outrageous that they had yeah. to be shared. They had to be because nobody else is willing to do all this. There, there's there's we're probably reached a point in time where doing these sort of public appearances have little gain to you. You can only lose. And Beverly's, I think, is in a situation where he has nothing to lose. He can only gain from this. He's, it's a very few people are in that situation. Everyone else is on some sort of pedestal where they can only lose the, the position that they're at. They can only downgrade. By going on online or saying something they shouldn't have said, you're better off just staying quiet and staying out of the attention and the spotlight of all, all of it. Th- this guy is in a weird position where ESPN is going to milk this till probably next season, and maybe it never even stops. But I just hope guys across the league are listening and have an a, just just a slight competitive emotion like I have towards him, and I'm not even playing against him, where he starts to get it back. I, I can't wait for someone to be like, yeah, man, go ahead, take a step back three. You know, there's three other guys on your team that are way better than you. Well, what do they think about all that? You know, how, how, well, let's get real about this. You want to be honest? Let's be honest about that. Well, we're going to see. Uh, you know, a lot of basketball still to play, so might not be the most circled game on the calendar when the – Timberwolves play the play the Suns next year, but when it gets a little closer, I, I could see someone retweeting some of these tweets right beforehand and saying, "Oh yeah, that's right. Remember in May? Yeah, this this will be this will be interesting. This might be a fun matchup. Maybe I gotta make a, a special uh, appointment to watch this." Yeah. Well, we got about two minutes on the show here. One real quick news thing. I don't know if it changes a whole lot or even means a whole lot to you or me, but we're giving out awards for Eastern Conference and Western Conference MVPs which okay that's cool I guess we just were trying to look for an excuse to have Larry and uh, Magic involved in some sort of ceremony thing and I've heard there's rumors of replacing the finals award uh, as well but I don't know if there's a 
It's fine. I don't have a problem with it. It just like are, are, does it change anything? Like, like are you are you saying like you were gonna add to your Hall of Fame resume by saying oh he had like four Larry Bird conference trophies? Like, does that change anything for you? I think it's cool having the the, the names. They're also uh, changing the name from just the Eastern Conference Championship Trophy. Uh, they're gonna call it the the Bob Cousy award and for the western conference trophy it's going to championship trophy it's going to be the uh, oscar robertson so cool to give some love to former nba greats but you know, who, no, no one's gonna be mad about more more awards it creates more content for us now as these games are going on as it gets closer to the series being over you can start having the discussion of oh well, who do you think in the you know the, who's gonna win the the, the the Magic Johnson Award. Do you, you know? Do you think it's Steph or you know has Luca done enough? Even though they're they're not going to win it, so it adds more content for us. So I think that's good. The NBA is reaching a point where they have so many awards that I don't even think the awards have value anymore. Like this, this for me is an award where it's like if I'm reviewing your 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 whole your whole career, your whole basketball career resume, college and everything, throw it all in there. And it's like the sooner I have to mention the Olympics, it's like your resume is not that strong. This feels like for me, the sooner I have to mention Eastern Conference and Western Conference awards, it means you weren't that strong of a player. And it's not necessarily your fault. See, I think it's I, I think it's different because if you win one of these awards, it probably means that you made the finals. So it's like you were the best player on a finals team. All right, yeah. So you get to finish first or second place, and we're going to give you an award for that. There's, as, a, as there's the already an award player, for first yeah. place is my point. Is This is basically saying, like, don't worry, you'll have a, a participation trophy for almost winning. It, well, weren't you just complaining last week or the week before how, well, Embiid, you know, really should have won and now he's not going to win anything. And you got these, like, all of the MVP candidates are out of the playoffs now. So this is just a way to look and see, okay, did you win MVP? Were you the best of the regular season or were you the best in the playoffs? All right, fine. You win there. That's that's a decent argument for for the guys that I, I guess in the, in a situation like this year where there really is an actual MVP race, which doesn't always happen in the past. Specifically, it feels like there's been one guy and maybe an argument of another guy, and that was about it. This year, I think there was an actual race where you really could have given it to a couple guys, and I don't think anyone would have been actually upset about it. Versus, there's pretty strong opinion to some of the last years, and that's fine. That's okay. I guess I guess this fills that void. But every year isn't always like this, and I feel like we're making this look good this year because of that race was very close. And next year it might not be close at all, and we're gonna have the same guy win every one of these awards. I guess that maybe the new thing. Do you want the? Do you want to have the sweep? Like, can we call that an award where you win all three? I think that would be very very big. Yeah, that would be the okay. You. Try arguing anybody else was better this year. If you won MVP, you won the conference, uh, the you know the new conference trophy, and you won the the, the MVP of the finals. Yeah, it's it's a hell of a run. And then you know what they can do? They can give you the let's see who could it be uh, the, the Phil Jackson trophy case. They can give you if you if you win all three, and that'll be an award of its own. You know, since you won all three, you need to put them somewhere. So that that's that's where we're going with all this. Is really my point. But we'll be back next week with some more updated stuff, and maybe we'll talk about who we think is going to win these awards.
little column A, little column B.